Hello and welcome back to We've Never Been Clicked. This is Cuppy Cup on recording on a stormy Halloween night. And I am joined, as always, by Jay, Holiday Jay, Jay Holiday, and Jimmy. How are you fellas doing? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm okay. I'm I'm fielding Twitter complaints about my, my BPM mashup uh, videos right now. <laughs> <laughs> to no one's surprise. <laughs> How about you, Jimmy? What's up, boys? How are we? How's it going? What's new? Everything good over here? We're just uh, surviving the storm of the century right now. The the lights went off for for five or six seconds in my household, so we're in a state of panic. Batten down the hatches. Yeah, we were actually under a tornado watch for a little bit there in Houston. Yeah, that's kind of scary. We thought I left Dallas. <laughs> we went uh, trick or treating despite the storms. There was a nice little little gap in the rain around six thirty tonight. So we took the little toddler trick or treating for the first time, dressed as Nemo from Finding Nemo. I wore a Hank the Octopus hat, and my wife wore a Finding Dory hat. I guess not a Finding Dory hat, just a Dory hat. Oh, that's adorable. Isn't it adorable? Adorable. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights. <laughs> I'm on a roll. Jimmy, did you take the little one out trick-or-treating at all? No, he had a big day at school and uh, all sorts of Halloween festivities and was dead-ass tired at like 6 o'clock. So uh, just been hunkered down through the storm and uh, through some candy at some kids who came by the house and you know pretty uh tame halloween overall nice we put we put some uh whole foods marshmallows out on the front porch with a sign that said take one we're at that age wow <laughs> whole foods mallows <laughs> we're the worst house we probably are egged i'll have to assess that in the morning I didn't know you could make marshmallows without like GMOs and a whole bunch of chemicals. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I tasted them. They're absolutely awful. It's, yeah, yeah. It, there's no way they couldn't be. The consistency is terrible, but you know, they're flavored and they're about $10 a bag for 25 items. <laughs> <laughs> Very reasonable. How about you, Jay? Did you do anything? You're you're at a weird age for Halloween. Uh, I turned out all the lights and played video games. Okay, so. yeah. That's the age you're at. I I was there for several years. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get out of this age. I had one kid ring the doorbell <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. and uh, I just didn't answer and kept doing what I was doing. Interesting. Sometimes Beat it's... It, scram! <laughs> Depending on your how your door is set up, like if there's a window on it or not, sometimes it's fun to bang on the other side of your door. Uh, especially if it's a younger kid, it kind of scares them. <laughs> That's what we used to do. Yeah, but, but I don't have any candy to give out, so you, you just you definitely don't want them to know you're home. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. All right, so nobody dressed up other than me and my Hank the Octopus hat. I dressed up as apathy. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, what I dressed up as a middle manager who shops at the Brooks Brothers factory store. <laughs> excellent you know i think they produce those clothes specifically for the factory store but that's a that's a topic for a even more boring podcast than what we're doing here 
the uh, Jay, what's your what's your go to Halloween costume when you're in college, at least, or maybe even high school? Oh no, do you dress up in high school? Maybe in middle school? Uh, I mean, in college, I guess I was Bane one year. Mm. I was Conor you do, McGregor. You do like to do both of those voices, actually. Yeah, those those are probably my two go to voices. Yeah. Uh, whenever I do impersonations, uh, I'm trying to think what other costumes I had. I was never anything really exciting in high school. Uh, co- college was more of a costume thing than than high school for sure. Honestly, uh, I guess you strike me as like a uh, going um, back to elementary school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let, let's. Two thousand three, I would have been like nine years old. Uh, I dressed up as Jason White for Halloween, Oklahoma quarterback. I was an OU fan at that point because everyone in my family <laughs> was either an A and M quarterback or an A and M fan or a Texas fan. That's awesome. I was a little bastard that decided to be an OU fan. I even had the fake teeth put in. <laughs> Doesn't he have a statue? Probably. I mean, he did win a Heisman. Yeah, he must have a statue. They have a they have a bunch of statues he... over there. He lit up the Ags at Kyle Field. I was at the game, oh, yeah. and um, it, you do a Google image search of Jason White uh, listeners when you have a second, because boy, the early two thousands were a special time for uh, style. You'll get some good Jason White, <laughs> like puka shells and like Jinko jeans, like huge leg jeans. But man, that guy was a good college quarterback. <laughs> That's awesome, Jay. I'm glad. I'm glad you uh, threw it back to that. The I had you pictured for some reason as dressing up as a pimp. I don't think <laughs> I could pull that off. No, uh, I'm pretty sure that everyone who knows me would agree that that's probably not my best costume. All right, choice. I don't. I don't know why. I just uh, that was yeah, that I was pre- my I vision it, for you. I don't know if that was a compliment or not. Uh, well, it could be. Could for, be. <laughs> like a you know in like a purple get up with a striped hat with a feather that kind of thing yeah i mean i guess that's definitely an option next year i think that next I think year the feather would be the one that <laughs> jimmy i have you as uh like the slap shot boys one of them or oh the handsome brothers yeah i have gone as them before um you know generally halloween i'm not very good at planning in advance just for most aspects of life and so halloween would often sneak up on me and in college like most aggies i would wind up having to kind of scramble for a costume and i guess what i mean by most aggies my wardrobe would only take the slightest tweaks to be white trash and so that was just kind of my halloween costume as i would go as generic white trash and uh not creative at all but also not the guy at the bar on halloween uh, and no costume. We uh, we've been criticized for not being good at planning on this very podcast, so it seems appropriate. Indeed we have. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the other thing I do is I I would just throw on a jersey and say that was my costume. Oh yeah, the oh, really nice. the really lazy man's costume. I think my worst mm-hmm. ever college costume, like predating um, Twitter, was basically a bad um, Aggie tweeter. I wore a texas tech uh long sleeve t-shirt and i carried around a sack of batteries and tortillas that was <laughs> it. classic this is like my tex costume 
And <laughs> when I was a kid, I wore, I think, some variation of a hobo every year. And I always carried a shampoo bottle around in a brown paper bag. I don't know why it was a shampoo bottle. Like, thinking back, I could have carried an actual beverage. Um, I loved being a hobo, too. That's so weird. Yeah, it was kid, really easy. Was hilarious. Because, uh, like, my, yeah. da- my dad, <laughs> no offense to my father, but yeah. <laughs> He had a lot of clothes that were kind of hoboish that I could you know, <laughs> like throw on a jacket with patches on the elbows, that kind of stuff. Who's that latchkey kid? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I like doing that. And like pretending like you're stumbling around the neighborhood. I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. And then, then I actually became that hobo and, and here we are. <laughs> Good times. So what a, what a wonderful world. <laughs> I feel like we've almost been stalling. At this point, trying to avoid talking about the reality of Aggie football. Um, although we were kind of pessimistic going into the Mississippi State game. Somehow losses like that are even more excruciating than you imagine them to be. And this was a game where I, I pretty much felt frustrated wire to wire. And uh, I wanted to... Maybe we can break it down offense versus defense. I wanted to get your takes on, on A&M's performance. Um, what areas you know, still have kind of a glimmer of hope and which ones uh, really worry you, not just for the rest of this season, but, um, you know, moving ahead into next season when we're going to start expecting real returns from the the Jimbo Fisher era. So let's start with the offense. Uh, Kellen Mond has received uh, a lot of criticism, partly, possibly, because that's the position everyone notices and and thinks about. But but certainly there, you know, there were, seemed like 20 drops in that game. So, Let's, Jimmy, start with you. What do what'd you think about the Aggie offense against the uh, Cowbells? Uh, well, first of all, my beefs are really not with Kellen Mond. I didn't think he played a very sharp game. The offense did not look um, crisp or that they prepared very well. It was very frustrating coming out of a bye week. And then starting the game with a delay game penalty uh, was very maddening and kind of set the tone for the rest of the night. He just couldn't get on the same page with his receivers. Uh, there were a lot of drop balls, which really didn't do him any favors. But um, the the crux of my frustration with the offense is uh, the offensive line. Uh, this team gives up way too many sacks, um, but at least they can't run the football either uh, against defenses that are worth a shit. And um, I don't know if it's a, it's a technique issue. I don't know if it's a coaching issue or not playing as a cohesive unit. I'm throwing all this stuff out there so that Jay can debunk <laughs> me because Jay's played football at, at this level and he understands the game a lot more than I do. But um, I know we started four sophomores on the offensive line, but man, they just got their shit kicked by a, you know, a solid Mississippi state defensive line. And um, it was kind of what we expected. It was like, it was an ugly physical football game and that's what you get in this league. Um, from, I don't know, I'd say those kind of middle of the pack schools, you're going to get not a lot of pretty football, but physical football. And when you go on the road and you get your ass kicked in the trenches like that, um, you're going home with a loss and, uh, just, I don't, I don't really have much to say about uh, Travion Williams. I thought he did what he could with what he was given. Um, but for A&M to be near the bottom of the country in terms of sacks allowed and only averaging, I think, like two yards a carry on Saturday night is just, it's unacceptable. I don't know 
where we go from there. Um, but offensive lines are not easy to rebuild overnight. They're not easy to rebuild in like a two-year span. Yeah, so it's like these sophomores are going to have to grow up quickly, and Jimbo's going to have to recruit his ass off because I don't know if there's an NFL player on that line. Um, and you kind of need those in the SEC, a future NFL player on that line. And you need those if you want to achieve the goals that this program loudly talks about. So curious Jay's thought on, thoughts on the offense. Before we get to Jay and his superior takes, uh, is there maybe I'm not even allowed to say this, but is there anyone who gets more undue adulation than Jim Turner? It's like everyone when he came Seriously. back, everyone acts like he's gonna like bring the Aggie offensive line uh, to some elite national level, and I'm just I don't see it. I did, I never played. I don't. I don't see it either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about offensive line technique. I just kind of know, you know, how many guys are in the backfield when they're not supposed to be. Um, well, I I actually think Sherman was the was the recruiter behind those offensive lines. I think he was the reason they were as good as they were. I don't. I don't know if it was I mean Turner has a hard-nosed guy he has a physical approach but I, I really think Sherman was the brains behind that operation I could be wrong well, though. no I, I fully agree and it's so weird how our fans are though because people I think are way too hard on Mike Sherman and then like Jim Turner they they act like this guy's some sort of god like offensive line whisperer I'm like we've we've been asked and that whole 2012 season where everything was great and Johnny had all day to, you know, run his run around in the backfield and um, uh, just create was because of a line that Mike Sherman built. Yeah. NFL guys all over the place. You've talked about it. Uh, You don't build an offensive line in a year. You don't build it in two years. It's, it's a long process. And that's why this offensive line has me worried going forward. I think the only NFL guy that's on that line right now that's really showed he's got NFL ability is Eric McCoy. Uh, I think he'll have a future yeah. at uh, at center in the in the league, but I, I haven't seen anything from anybody else unless you're counting the tight ends that suggests that they have a future in the offensive line in the NFL. Are, am I crazy, or do our backs also have a very tough time picking up blocks? Well, I, I think Travion's been using the passing game a lot. And yeah. other than that, you know, the only running back that might pick up a block is Jay Sean Corbin. And he's a true freshman. So if he's struggling with picking up blocks, it's not really a, a surprise. Yeah, he had a pretty good game, actually. He looked he looked good. He uh, Didn't he return a kick? Was that this week? I don't even remember. My no, mind is all. <laughs> uh, it's all the same to me. It all bleeds together. Uh, um, he did have a pretty good run at one point during the game. Uh, I think Jay Sean Corbin's a little more explosive than Travion is right now. Uh, I think Travion has some capabilities that are more due to his experience than anything else. Yeah. Uh, he's I, also a, a more powerful runner, I would say. And he's a, he's a, he's a real shifty guy. From Jay Sean Corbin, I've seen more kind of one cut and go type stuff. Yeah, yeah. He and he didn't have that many touches. I'm I'm now looking at the box score, but he had three carries for 33 yards. I think most of those were on one carry, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, that's, that's true. And then uh, he had a couple catches for 13 yards. Uh, Sternberger had a tough game, um, given you know how well he's done so far this season. I think everyone <laughs> had a tough day in terms of receiving um the drops are just so frustrating especially 
there's always a lot of hype going into a bye week that we're going to like clean up all the sloppy play and everyone's going to come back really focused and re-energized and healthy. And then we came out and just like Jimmy said, you start with a delay of game and just kind of lay an egg and look like you're just caught off guard completely. Yeah. I actually think the bye week can be detrimental uh, to teams at some point. I mean, I felt like this team had a lot of momentum going, you know, there were some sloppy performances mixed in there, but they had, won a, a several games in a row. And when, when you go to a bye week, I think it can actually hurt you, especially if you're kind of feeling it, you know, you've got the momentum going on your side. It can actually, coming out of that bye week, you get a little lackadaisical, and it can, it can hurt you in a lot of ways. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, as fans, I think, I mean, you've actually played, so you know what it's all about. I think as fans, we always think like, ah, finally the bye week, everyone's going to be 100% and we're going to kick their ass, but... You know, well, you still have to practice hard in the SEC no matter what, even if it is a bye week. Yeah. So, I mean, the way practice goes, you might have guys get injured, dinged up during practice in the bye week. Sure. Now, that's that's not a thing that's unheard of. Yep. The uh, And we continue to struggle with any turnovers at all. It's just it's like we cannot generate a turnover on defense. Uh, so let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, Mississippi state, they're not a terrible team. They only scored 28, but still there were some big moments of frustration in this game. Uh, you know, Nick Fitz, Nick Fitzgerald's really struggled this year and, uh, he looked pretty damn good against Aggies. What'd you see there, Jimmy? Well, it, I mean, it was a strange game in a lot of ways because I would say the team kind of got their shit kicked, but it, it a&M was winning at the half, which was just really weird because they didn't play a half where they really deserved to win. Um, and the game really came down to just a few different plays. Like of everyone that's going to remember that, that third and long, third and 21, wherever, where Mississippi State late in the half is backed up or maybe third quarter. The game's a blur at this point. So everyone knows which play I'm talking about. Yes. And it goes for 80 yards on a third and 20. And, um, gosh, the, that play the pissed me off. A, the secondary was a mess. I mean, the secondary, like, just did not show up. And I, I, this isn't like rocket science, but if you have a bad offensive line and a bad secondary, I don't know how you're going to win football games in your league. And, uh, the good news is a secondary you can do some more quick fixes. You can start young guys. Um, but th- they didn't have one pass breakup on the night. They made a guy who's been averaging less than a hundred yards per game, who in his previous handful of games had zero touchdowns and six interceptions. They let him, you know, throw around the football field. Like he was drew Brees. It was a uh, uh, terrible performance by them. I thought the front seven, you know, they competed. They gave the team a chance to win. Um, then inability to force turnovers is like, it, it's almost confounding. I, there's people who, I mean, I'd be curious to get Jay's thoughts on this. There's a school of thought, especially around like gamblers, gamblers talk about turnovers a lot and are turnovers luck, or is it something that's forced by the defense luck, meaning a lot of balls hit the turf. Like, uh, you know, there's always fumbles. And some teams seem to just get lucky, like it, it, the bounces are going their way. 
or is it a defense that's imposing, you know, imposing their will and forcing the turnovers? And right now the A&M defense just cannot get a, a tip ball, um, a fumble to go their way. And I think it's part abil- uh, partly ability and then like they're kind of snake bit too. Yeah. What do you, what do you think, Jay? Well, here's, here's the other thing that was really frustrating is that on some of those long touchdowns that Nick Fitzgerald threw, the DBs were actually in decent position to make a play. Uh, you know, we talked about it. Forcing turnovers is – it's a risky business because in order to force a turnover, you kind of have to put yourself in a dangerous position. Uh, going up for a ball uh, as a DB instead of just breaking it up, you know, can lead to a big play. Uh, trying to strip the ball, trying to force fumbles that way. Uh, you can get broken tackles pretty easily. So, you know, the, the phrase is to force a turnover, but when, when you try to force it too much, it becomes an issue. As, as far as Nick Fitzgerald looking as good as he did, obviously there's some serious issues in the back end that just aren't going to be fixed by the end of the year. And what we have to do is generate a rush using only four guys. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame, but that's it's the only way you can mask problems in the back end. And Anim really hadn't been able to do that with just four guys rushing this year. I mean, occasionally you'll have a guy get through, but to consistently be able to do it, that that's the biggest cure to secondary issues. Hey, I'm going to be annoying online Aggie here, but Dalen Mack was like getting mugged every play. I mean, he had an awesome game. I thought, I thought he was really getting after it, but man, he got held a lot. Well, uh, that's kind of how it is in the in the SEC. Uh, All the know. refs love Mississippi State. They well, <laughs> yeah. Holding holding's not going to get called a lot. I know, and they 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 stink both ways. It's not like we didn't get away with a bunch of stuff. They really do. Like A and M, I forget the plays. A and M got <laughs> got their fair share of uh, no calls as well. Well, there was well, also against, a really bad Kentucky. pass interference call that went in our favor. Yeah. I guess yeah. against Kentucky, I mean, Josh Allen was getting held damn near every play. Uh, so we, we got pretty lucky with that. Yeah, we don't talk about yeah. those, Jay. But it is, Whoops. you know, I maybe it's confirmation bias or whatever, but you know how. Not to sound like political Twitter person, but, you know, we remember the the plays that worked against us or the, the no calls that, that happened with our team, but we forget all the other stuff. That's just how life works. Human nature, baby. Oh, yeah. It's the best. (laughs) And Brayden, man, come on, dude. Like, that's my guy. He's my Heisman hopeful. Uh, Average less than 40 yards a kick. He had a pretty tough game, too, uh, up in Starkville. The cowbells rattled us, so to speak. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how a special teams coach punishes the the punter. (laughs) Like, do you... Think you run them? Yeah, <laughs> they have to attend a workout. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I had a buddy who was a kicker in college, and like basically, he said all they did was they'd go kick a few balls and then go back into the into the like team locker room quarters and just play uh, Xbox. Like that was pretty nice. <laughs> that sounds well, like it's like a get uh, out on all the running. That one scene in uh, Waterboy. Uh, special teams go farmer friend do some laps. <laughs> can i yeah. 
this this happens all the time with me, but uh, I've never seen the Waterboy. I've I've probably used like twenty Waterboy clips across the years in different videos and gifs and things, but I've I've never seen that movie. Pup, gotta change that. I know. There's there's a bunch of stuff I haven't seen, but you know. I was gonna say there's just one other thing I wanted to talk about with in regards to the Mississippi State game. Obviously, with the, a lot of the criticism of Mond, um, the most popular player on the team becomes Nick Starkle. People want to see what he could do. And, um, you know, I'm not a fortune teller, but I think he would have been getting his ass kicked on Saturday night behind that line as well. I think he would have had a really hard game. And Starkle took some heat because he was uh, – kind of smiling down the stretch in those last few minutes on the sidelines when it became apparent that the game was uh, going to go to Mississippi state. And um, I guess I get it that that's kind of the way he is. I think he's a, he is a genuinely happy person and um, you know, his faith's important to him. And, uh, but I think where my beef comes, let me preface this by saying, I realize this is just football. This is just college football. Like on Saturday, 11 innocent, wonderful souls were shot dead in Pittsburgh. Like in the grand scheme of things, this is a football game and it's kind of silly. But in the context of college football, where we're trying to beat Alabama, we're trying to win championships, this culture shift has to continue to evolve and emerge. And maybe this makes me sound like an old man, but I was pissed to see Starkle smiling like that. Like Mississippi state has been a huge thorn in the side of this team. You know, like two years ago, they went to Starkville ranked in the, in the uh, top four for the college football playoff. And they got their shit kicked there. And then they lost last year at Kyle field. And it might seem small and inconsequential, but I really think that's a cultural thing that if you want to become Alabama, if you want to start winning the West, that stuff has to change. And if we're just going to be a program that like, oh, we're happy going to the Belt Bowl and losing to Wake Forest, we're happy to go to the Texas Bowl and lose to Kansas State, then fine. But like, where's the fucking fire? You know, because think of the quarterbacks that would never let this happen. Baker Mayfield, Johnny, Tebow, like those guys that just have it in their blood. They hate losing they hate losing far more than they ever enjoy winning and those guys all have buddies off the field like they they know how to have a good time off the field but like you get out there on the field and they they want to kill they're assassins I mean think of Johnny in that Duke game like it was insane how he just took the team on his back and I'm waiting for somebody to step up on this team and kind of be that fire be that guy that's going to say like we're we're so sick of losing and being dog shit and going to, you know, bowls that nobody cares about. Um, and maybe that's just going to be a longer process. Maybe my hopes for that are sitting three or four years down the road from now. But um, that was just kind of my two cents. Uh, you know, there was some chatter on Aggie Twitter. And now everyone, you can go in the comments and tell me that I need to chill out. And I'm just like a too much of a red ass old man. But um, those are my thoughts on on the attitude i'm gonna do that i'm gonna leave some comments the uh okay thank you (laughs) i was thinking about wyatt Earp walking through the creek shooting at the cowboys like just 
you know, he's taking fire from all sides, just lighting him up. That's the guy you're looking for. Nobody's seen Tombstone. Yep. Oh, I love. I, I, <laughs> Everybody yeah, I love loves Tombstone. Tombstone. Yeah. Who doesn't love Tombstone? Yeah. What do you think, Jay? You don't care about Starkle smiling, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. See, I sound like a, I sound like a prick, but it's fine. I was just, you know how I am. I was just waiting for people to start complaining about it and for it to blow yeah. up into a big thing. That's just who I am. <laughs> That's what I do. I don't have any feelings. I just I look for other people's feelings. Very good. So how do we feel about Auburn? Y'all We're a uh... mediocrity. Yeah, that's right. I do. I'm I'm the worst. The worst Aggie in so many different ways. The uh, so we're heading to Jordan Hare Stadium, a place where we always win, I guess. Um, but I'm not feeling great about this game. Where uh, Jimmy, correct me if I'm wrong. We're a four point dog, I think at this point. Yeah, four and a half points. Uh, I think we actually we opened at four, and it quickly went to four point five, which means the smart money uh, likes Auburn. And Auburn has been really up and down this year, so uh, I don't I don't really know what uh, yeah, we should be expecting. Down. Yeah. So, but you know, it's that Aggie. Uh, kind of nagging going on in my brain that uh, Stidham's going to like put it all together and light us up. It's definitely possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, he can throw it. It's uh, <laughs> I'm maybe this is just battered Aggie syndrome coming out, but it's like going on the road, embattled head head coach, uh, coaching for his job, and Gus Malzahn. And he's going to win a big one at home in front of the home crowd and save his job. I mean, that's kind of like our gift to the conference, I think, is uh, <laughs> A&M, A&M always gets a, like just enough for the coach to get another year, you know? Um, but <laughs> it's a totally winnable football game. Right. That's such a terrible reputation. Game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Holy cow. <laughs> being the conference job savers is a really bad rep. <laughs> You're welcome, Lord. Les Miles. You're welcome, Gus Malzahn. Ed Orgeron. Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Yep. Although Ed O is looking like he's doing a great job this year. Yeah, I can't wait till Thanksgiving. Yeah, which is extra salt in our wound because we got him extended and now he's really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I'm like a personalities guy. Like I like head coaches who have, you know, something unique about them. So I love Edo being in the conference. Well, I love oh, Edo being at LSU where his accent is completely normal. Yes. And a little plug for our buddy, Bruce Feldman, go back and read his book, meat market from gosh, it's probably 15 years old. Um, Great, great book about Ed O'Dron when he was the head coach at Ole Miss. I mean, that gives like a real snapshot into SEC recruiting. It's great stuff. Oh, little known fact, Ed O was huge on Vaughn Miller coming out of high school and wanted him at Ole Miss. And Vaughn was not a big uh, recruit. He was only like a three-star and kind of unheralded. And uh, O'Dron saw him on tape in high school and uh, that was his type of guy. And uh, Ed O'Dron knows linebackers and defensive linemen better than just about anybody else in college football. Interesting. 
they would have gotten yeah. along pretty well with like chicken farming and stuff like that too i think oh yeah two peas in a pod i just assume edo knows a thing or two about uh poultry yeah the uh gumbo <laughs> so i don't i'll be perfectly honest i don't know a whole lot about like the makeup of auburn's team but i'm just assuming they have a pretty good defensive line so uh really i don't even have to look, look past that to be worried um so yeah i'd be pleasantly surprised if a&m comes out of there with a win and of course if we lose this game then we start to think about well how bad can this season get um so what what do you think what do we what do we have to do to to win this game i think maybe just like finally getting some big plays some forcing some turnovers or getting some turnover luck to fall our way. Uh, just something that can help us like blow this game open early. Uh, and then Auburn will probably sneak back in and, and we'll close it out. I, I don't know. What are you looking for here? Yeah, I think, I think you gotta just force turnovers, uh, hit a couple of big plays. Like you talked about, you know, I'd, I'd like to see some, some long balls. I'd like to see Kendrick Rogers make some catches that he should have made last week. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to see Jay Sternberger have a bounce back game. These are the kind of things that you're going to need for A&M to beat Auburn, I think. Yeah, I have this creeping, like, thing where if we lose to Auburn this week, I could I could see us dropping the, the Ole Miss game, and then the season's kind of in shambles. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's a possibility. I think Ole Miss – you know, as strong as their passing attack has been, that that's definitely not a gimme game either. Right. And of course, UAB has just decided uh, to be a a good team this year as well. Please, Jay. Please, we're not ready for more UAB talk. <laughs> oh goodness! What is your what's your new season outlook now that you know we dropped the Mississippi State game? How many wins are you looking for? Hopefully, one. You want you want one more yeah. win, just a bowl yeah. game? Yeah, at this point, at this point, I don't, I don't have a lot of hope in any of the other games left in the season. I think, I think that Ole Miss and Auburn are both very winnable games. Yeah, uh, but you know, it's it's tough in the SEC. You know, you you never know which team's going to come out with more energy, and a lot of things could go wrong, uh, especially in that Ole Miss game. You know, Auburn, this could set the tone for the rest of the season, absolutely, uh, depending on how we come out this game. I know I picked six wins at the beginning of the season, but I'd I'd really like to see seven or eight uh, plus a bowl win. I think the bowl win, too, I think is a big deal this year because it can kind of set some momentum. Like, gosh, don't the offseason suck when you lose some crappy bowl game to a, a mediocre opponent? Just terrible. Oh, yeah. Yes. Give us some hope. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna be. I don't know. I'm interested. I can't really figure out Kellen Mond. I like him a lot. I mean, he's got all these physical tools, and I know he comes from like a you know a military family, and he's been coached by the best coaches growing up. And I'm really curious to see how he's gonna bounce back. Like he's he's only a sophomore, but he's it's kind of time to take that next step. And is he gonna be a leader? Um, he seems like I can't tell if he's like Mr. Calm, cool and collected, or he's a little too robotic. So um, things were off on Saturday and now he's taken a, a lot of the criticism, the criticism that 
same kind of criticism that Nick Fitzgerald was taking for several weeks and he answered the bell. So, you know, how is Kellen Mond going to respond? Hopefully his receivers give him some help. Uh, like Jay said, I'm expecting a big bounce back game from them because I'm sure the coaches have been in their ear all week about timing, um, running better routes and uh, hauling in uh, passes to give their quarterback a hand. So um, really interested to see how they respond, especially in those uh, first two or three drives. That's the thing, though. I feel like if you put Mond behind a solid offensive line and the receivers don't have a mess of drops, then he's doing fine. Um, I mean, he looked bad in, in this game because everything was a mess on offense. It's like couldn't get more than two yards of carry. The receivers dropped all the good balls and there were people up in his face mask just about every play where he dropped back. So, uh, yeah, I just have a really hard time pinning it on Mond. I mean, I'd like to see him make some plays with his feet or maybe, you know, make a different read sometimes when a guy's wide open, but I don't even know how much of that's his fault given that he doesn't have a lot of time back there. Agreed. Yeah, I like him. I mean, we all kind of liked him going into the season, and I think we were uh, almost – I think we were a consensus that we wanted Mon to to win the job. So I hope he he does have a big game here and kind of quiet the talk about, well, when are we going to let Starkle have a shot? It'd be a – God, it'd be such a mistake to just, like, make a quarterback change right now. Like, you think Aggies would have learned their lesson? Um, Oh, yeah. Like, we haven't, like, dicked around with quarterbacks – yeah, it's not like we haven't dicked around quarterbacks in November and then had it completely <laughs> unravel on us before. Shooter, uh, Shooter Flatch had a good tweet. He he writes for us if if you don't know as a listener, uh, but he had a tweet where he was talking about like the Aggie fans under Sumlin were uh, always like criticizing him for not being able to figure out who the starter should be and going back and forth between quarterbacks. And then this season with Jimbo, they're like, well. Wh- why can't he play both quarterbacks or let's Starkle, <laughs> you know, start the game and then switch to Mond if he needs to. Uh, so it's kind of funny. Oh, fans are the worst. Oh, fans complaining about smiling quarterbacks. I know. <laughs> Classic fans. It's all good. You know what, Jimmy, people might even hate on you for that, but everybody felt it when they, when they saw him after the game, everyone, I don't care what they say. Everybody was like, he's, not you son of a bitch, but you know, you just kind of felt like, Oh, come on, man. You can't be smiling. You gotta be like, what the fuck are you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> be pissed. Like I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, let's, let's get into our burst bits. You have some, some winners for us. No, nothing. Nothing eases the pain of a season going south than winning some Milskis. Milskis! I think uh, Cup was tending to his baby last week when I was making the best bets. And uh, oh, she did pee through, by the way. There. If you if you want an update on that, yeah, I, I cannot provide you an adequate update on how we performed last week because. Uh, my notes are at the office, and uh, so poor preparation on my behalf. Apologies. Do <laughs> Does that mean you got shut out? Bets. That's what I how I interpret that. Hey, hey, <laughs> we went four zero. We won four Melskis. Everyone got rich. Now that's how uh, that's how touts talk and never uh, promote the losses. Actually, um, Powerball while we were at it. You're you're listening Ooh. to this on your yacht. 
Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, right. so Good I'm going to... Uh, Tony Busby running for yeah. mayor. Shout out. This week, I'm not going to go too far off the radar. I'm going to pick some games that I think everybody's going to keep an eye on uh, this weekend. We have some interesting ones for sure. Um, going to start with West Virginia at Texas. Uh, interesting line here. Texas is a two-point favorite at home, coming on, uh, seeing if they can bounce back after a, a pretty poor for performance up in Stillwater with uh, Gundy making Herman look like a fool. Um, not really sure if, what to make of West Virginia right now. They are so explosive on offense. Um, the play really is probably the over. The total sitting at 58. I can see this game easily uh, eclipsing that. Um, I think Texas is going to be able to move the football on a West Virginia defense that can make some plays, but they're very, very thin. Uh, ultimately, got to take the horns minus two. I think they're going to um, protect DKR. But here's the thing, guys. We either win a Milski or the Horns lose. So kind of a win-win, right? Insurance. Yes, I like it. Next up. I'm not betting on the Horns, curious though. What you, curious what you guys think on this one, too. Georgia, the number six team in the country, traveling to Kentucky. Probably the biggest game in Kentucky in 30, 40 years, football-wise. Georgia, nine-point favorite. Uh, they're coming off their bye after – or wait, no, no, no. Pardon me. They're coming off of a drubbing of Florida and Jacksonville. Uh, this is a tough one. I mean, we, we saw the Ags pretty much control the game against Kentucky. No one can figure out Kentucky. They play great defense. They're very pedestrian on offense, yet they keep winning ball games. Kentucky, ranked number nine. Uh, this is kind of square. This isn't like a very creative pick, but I got to take Georgia. And I don't like laying a full nine points on a road team, but we're going uh, the Georgia Dogs because I, I just can't buy into this Kentucky team, especially since uh, we beat them. I Next up. I think I would take Georgia too. I would, uh, as a, a better in this scenario, I would prefer the line to be more like six, but I guess everyone would. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Um, okay, next up. Penn State at Michigan. Another big line. Right now it's sitting at 10 and a half. Uh, Michigan is favored. Um, Michigan really has things rolling. Maybe the best defense in the country that's not Alabama or Clemson, and even then it might be better than theirs. Uh, Vegas obviously paying a lot of respect to this Michigan team with this double-digit spread between the number five team and the number 14 team in the country. I'm laying the points again. I usually do not bet this many favorites. I'm taking Michigan at home uh, in the big house. We're laying the 10 and a half. If you wait around, you, this line might go back down to 10. So listeners, uh, try to get that 10 number. That's a nice round number, what they call a key number in, uh, in football betting. Finally, boys, Alabama, LSU, 7 p.m., Death Valley, Alabama, favored by 14 and a half. Oh, I'm going to ask both of you guys to uh, uh, pick this game as well. we gotta, we got to see how this one shakes out. So, uh, Cup, who do you like? I like LSU. 
I think, uh, I just don't think, well, I don't know. Alabama is such an explosive offense. It makes it really hard to bet on any of their games this year. Uh, but I got to think LSU hangs with them a little bit. Jay Arnold. Yeah, I think LSU hangs with them. I think this is the worst possible matchup that Alabama has this year. I think you have one of the best secondaries in the nation and LSU secondary, Grant Delpit, Greedy Williams. Uh, I think they're going to match up really well with Alabama's uh, receivers. The The game changer there is going to be Irv Smith at tight end, though. So uh, we'll see. I think LSU is going to be able to keep up with them. I don't think they'll be able to win the game, though. I love the name Greedy Williams. Gosh, that's awesome. It's the best. As a cornerback, are you kidding me? That's fantastic. At LSU, it's like straight out of central casting. Um, <laughs> I, too, like LSU. This is going to be a game where uh, the public, meaning just your average better who's throwing down $25, $50, $100 on a game, they're going to be on Alabama because everybody – Hears about Alabama all the time. Um, the public, they like betting the favorites, uh, the sharp money. That's us. Betting the Milskis are going to take the home dog. Um, like you said, Cup, it's so hard to project this Alabama team now that they have such an explosive offense. Like this game historically has been just ground and pound, like a 12 to 9 game. Um, the type of games I love, but people don't really like if uh, you're into offensive fireworks now that's all flipped because Alabama scores points at will um but man the scene at Death Valley is going to be absolutely absurd at seven o'clock on Saturday night I mean those those Cajuns are going to be out partying from Thursday night until game time stumbling ass drunk and the fog will settle in over Death Valley and I think things might get kind of interesting. It's going to be Tua's first real test as a quarterback for Alabama. So can't wait for it. We're all taking LSU. Let's make those Milskis first. And look, Aggie football, the 11 a.m. game is so critical because it determines the ability to enjoy the rest of the day. If we win that game, it's a pretty good day of football ahead to watch. But if we lose, it's like, you know, you're just kind of pissed all day. Yep. Yeah. Set the tone. They're all listening. They they listen to this, I think, right after practice. Every, always. Always. Yeah. Always. <laughs> Jay, do you want to take us out with some weather? Yeah. So uh, talk about the weather a little bit with an early morning kickoff. Uh, the projected high for Saturday is going to be 65. Uh, but you're looking at the Friday night temperature. It's going to be 42. It's going to be a cold morning for the Aggies. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how they wake up, get going. Uh, important to get warmed up well when cold weather's coming around. Uh, of course, and then this is the Auburn forecast for your weather in Houston. Uh, might as well go ahead and give that as well. Uh, we're actually going to have a pretty pleasant Saturday. High of 78 and a low of 64. It's going to be a perfect Saturday to Act like you should be outside. <laughs> I was going to say, it's going to be a nice 72 degrees inside my living room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, You're such a, a southerner, Jay, talking about 42 degrees overnight being cold temperatures. Get out well, of it's, it's cold for the southerners. Okay. I, can, I can handle a little bit of, a little bit of chill there. All right, you hockey know, I, guy. I like, it a, I like it a balmy negative five. <laughs> it's 
That's about mm-hmm. that's that's my comfort zone. That's guards weather. Oh, love it! Oh yeah, <laughs> get that wind whipping around there. It feels great. All right, good deal. Well, hopefully, uh, the next show, which will be previewing a home game, will be less of a an eat Arby's kind of gathering, and we'll be talking about all the things that went right against Auburn and um, how maybe we can make a New Year's Six bowl game. No? Gig on you guys. <laughs> I really hope that's true, but, uh, <laughs> you know, one of my favorite Lord of the Rings quotes is from the second movie when uh, the guy from Rohan says, don't trust to hope. It's forsaken these lands. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much my approach to Aggie football. Hope can drive a man Ooh. insane. Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Also yeah. true. Another great Aggie football quote. <laughs> we Aggies know every <laughs> quote about hope leading to misery. Yeah. All right. Good deal. Thank you, General Patton. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Keep away cause we've never been clicked yet